It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast, your one-stop shop to dominate fantasy baseball and football. Come get some. And we're back. Thanks, Trevor. It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Trella, and with me today is our football guru. It's Nick. What's up, man? How are you doing today? What's going on? Uh, not too much. How's the move going? Smooth? We're, we're in the new house, but uh, we still own the other house, so a lot of shoveling coming up. Two, two times I've driven up and back ready to shovel that house, so it looks like someone's living there, so nobody breaks in and steals all our copper pipes or anything. <laughs> Wow. I, I, I guess our $0 salary is going a long way here. You own two homes now. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Moving on up in New Jersey here. All right. We'll take that into consideration when we, we reconsider your salary. 25 It doesn't seem you cents. need it. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, we're uh, in the shadow of the Super Bowl. Twitter is saddened by the loss of football. It kind of goes away for a little bit here. The hardcores still keep doing it every day, but they're all looking looking for some football content. So we're going to talk a little bit of football before we go back to a little bit of baseball at the end, all right? Yeah. Cool. All right, so so Mr. Brady did it for the seventh time, winning 31-9 to yesterday. I'll let you get started on what your takeaways from the game were. I I came into that game. I was so kind. I said Chiefs by two scores. I thought Mahomes had it. Um, Brady's the best of all time. You can't deny that. I mean, Todd Bowles, he former Jet head coach. He had the best defensive game plan possible. He took away Kelsey. He took away Hill. Had Mahomes running every play. I think they said something about he was running for almost 500 yards. He ran around on his own. Wow, that's ridiculous. Again, it, it's some, some absurd number like that. But they figured it out, and that's the blueprint. And now Mahomes even acknowledged teams are going to take that blueprint and try and use it against them. Well, I, I, I think one of the differences, though, is they were missing both of their tackles. Yeah, Fisher was out from the previous week, which hurt big time. Right, and, and Mitchell Schwartz. Yep. And I, that that just that just gave them the opportunity with two weeks in between the games oh, to yeah. have a plan. There there was no pocket for him all day long. No, like you no, said, no. He, he was running for his life the whole day. The whole, and he was he, making, he saw those two throws in the uh, fourth quarter, third and fourth down. The one hit his guy in the helmet and Pringle almost came up with the one in the end zone. Yeah. So it was pretty funny too. I, I know you're not a big gambler. There, there was a prop out there for the fat guy touchdown, uh, offensive lineman or defensive lineman, the score, Paid twelve to oh. one, oh. so any anybody that had that when it bounced off his, it, it almost went like lodged into his face mask. Pretty much, but Pretty much could, couldn't couldn't take it down. Couldn't get a BJ Raji touchdown dance there. <laughs> the one thing that kind of stood out to me, which kind of speaks to how great Mister Tom Brady is. Did you see the stat lines on his skill players? Incredible! It's amazing what he did. Godwin. And Mike Evans combined for three catches. Yeah, it's just thirty-nine yards. Incredible, just Gronk. Unbelievable. <laughs> Gronk, Gronk had a field day with the two touchdowns. I don't know where. I think he had about sixty-seven receiving yards. He hit every over on every prop on him. Fournette was pretty good. It, it is kind of crazy that all of the players that scored in yesterday's game were not even on Tampa Bay the year before. No, Brown, Gronk, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are that are a little uh, little butthurt about the fact that uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown got to play in the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. a lot <laughs> of Steelers fans. I'm unhappy about that one. 
a couple of the things that I kind of have a takeaway from a fantasy perspective that I wanted to chat with you about and get your opinion. Like we said, Godwin didn't do much yesterday, but Brady was up on the podium accepting his trophies, and he already said he's going to be back next yep. year. Godwin's a free agent going into next season. Yep. Do you think because Brady's coming back that – it's not a guarantee that he's going to hit the market, or do you think he's one of these guys that says, hey, I got my ring, now I'm going to get my money? Depends. Um, Godwin could be tagged. I think I saw the number could be $16 million, I believe the uh, wide receiver tag number is this year. Or we can attempt to hit the open market and get like an Amari Cooper-type deal, $20 million a year. That's also very possible. Um, he got his ring. Now he might want to get paid. I'm sure. Sh- Sure, he's hoping he doesn't get tagged so he can dip in the market and see what it looks like because he's going to have a lot of suitors if he does hit that market. But but if he takes the tag, he gets another season yep. in this prolific offense and then he yeah. hits the open market next year oh, when, I, I mean, I would assume Brady's going to retire. So so us, us Dolphins and Jets fans that are interested in the wide receiver free agent market, yep. we might be left holding a bag. What do you think? Well, my, my biggest fear is Allen Robinson gets tagged, Godwin gets tagged. It looks like Galladay's hit the market, no doubt about it. I think Juju hits the market. But you take away Robinson and Godwin, you take away the top two right there. All of a sudden, it looks a little depleted. And a Juju and a Galladay might get paid out the wall right now out of desperation. Right. What did you think about uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire yesterday? He looked okay, but there didn't seem to be any flow to the offense at all. No. And, it, no. you know, all, all, all the all the noise on Twitter is... Did the Chiefs make the right selection with him? Yeah, him, uh, yeah, they could have taken Jonathan Taylor right there. I don't know. Next year, he's he's not a first round pick as he was this year. He, we might be looking at a fourth or fifth round fantasy pick, depending on uh, format and whatnot. So basically, what you just said is he might be the steal of the draft next year. Be, yeah, people are going <laughs> to him. I mean, I don't think they'll bring back Le'Veon Bell. I don't think. I mean, Damian Williams could come back, but yeah, they still have the rights to him, so they do. He's so. in there. That could affect a lot, and that could drop CEH stock once again. Right. Understood. Understood. All right. Any last takeaways from the Super Bowl? Are you are you ready to take on this soon-to-be crazy offseason headfirst? It's, it's already started. It's going to be crazy. I, I have a feeling that we might see a Wentz trade by the time... Trevor finishes the production on this podcast. So the word I, it might, you might even break the news while we're still talking. The word I saw was a couple. I looks like I think it was a Bears beat writer. Um, she was saying something about Nick Falls, Tariq Cohen, and, a, and the Bears first round pick, which is pick twenty for Wentz, which is mind boggling because Wentz has that enormous contract, mm-hmm. and you're going to give a first round pick to take that contract, which is the reverse of the Stafford trade. I'm sure Foles is getting some money too. So oh, absolutely. Uh, that that's the offset right there. Absolutely, but that was the that was the deal I saw. I was like a day or two ago. It could have been yesterday. Tariq Cohen doesn't seem a fit though. No, he doesn't. I, that was one of the names I saw floated on the uh, on the Twitter rumors, at least. Yeah, I mean Miles Sanders, he's a dynamic playmaker. He's capable of working in the passing game, mm-hmm. and Boston Scott certainly is. I don't know if he's possibly a free agent, Scott. I I didn't sure. look into that, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not big on the uh, RB2s on teams' no. contracts so much. Yeah, Hurts throwing to Tariq Cohen and Miles Sanders all day. Yep. I'm pretty in tune with the Philly Twitter as a Phillies fan. They they have to be going crazy if their boy BDN is back in town. Oh, they love him. They love that would be him. amazing. They love him. Any other landing spots you've heard for Mr. Wentz? The Colts, but I don't think the Colts are going to pay that price. I mean, the Colts right now looking at pick 21. They're right after the Bears. 
But right. I don't think the Colts are going to go to where the Bears want them. I'm sorry, where the uh, Eagles want. Right. So if the Bears are going to pay the Eagles a one and two players, mm-hmm. what would they be looking for? A one and maybe two twos or something like that? One, one and a three, a one and a two next year. I mean, they're they're setting reset the quarterback market right now. Right. Yeah, I, I thought you'd have to give up a pick to get rid of Wentz's contract at this rate, but now you're getting the opposite. And where do the Eagles pick? They are pick six. Pick six. They are looking at a wide receiver territory there. If they don't get a receiver, they can hope Devonta falls to them. I can't see Waddle going that high. Chase, I'm assuming, goes three to mm-hmm. Miami. Now, where do the Colts pick? Colts pick 21. 21. And that is out of range of most of the top-tier quarterbacks because you got to figure right. Lance will be gone. Mac Jones could go top 20, and at that point, you're sitting ducks in the 20s. Mac Jones is scary. There, there's Absolutely. too much bust potential there. Oh, 100%, but you're going to get a desperation team. You can get you know, the Washington football team, um, the Patriots, uh, just teams that need a quarterback ahead of the Colts right there. You don't know what they're going to do. Right, but, but the Colts are the, – the nucleus of their team is pretty much Super Bowl ready. It is. They, they, they can compete now. So I don't know that they might be one of these teams that are in the trade market. For I, I think that might be a better fit than trying to move up in the draft to get a replacement. And especially you're not going to get one of the top two. No. So you're going to be a little bit later. You know, maybe, you know, may, maybe looking at Fields or Lance, which I, I don't know. I, I I'm higher on Lance than than almost all of them, but I think that's Lance, another that's another podcast. Lance could end up as a QB three when all said and done. Yeah, I like, that's, I like Zach that, Wilson, so I'm calling him QB two all day. Right. Okay. That, that's cool. So, so we're saying that the Colts are probably going to be in the trade market. Yep. They're in the market for Wentz. What about your buddy Darnold? So, if you told me back in December what I think I can get for Darnold, I'm thinking the Jets. If they walk away with a two or a three, I would be thrilled doing backflips. Now you got Adam Scheffner coming out there saying, even today, he doubled down saying that we might get a first. They said four teams have already contacted him. If you look at the draft order, Washington's at 19, Colts are 21, Pittsburgh's 24, Saints 28. Those are all teams that need quarterbacks. And if you're telling me the Saints can say, hey, here's pick 28, we'll take Donald or Washington. Here's, hey, we'll give you 19, give us a fourth or a fifth back or something. And you can pick 19. I'd drive them to Newark Airport right now. <laughs> well, if we can get four picks in the top 34 that'd be incredible but yeah that, that that's how you rebuild on the fly right yeah, there Arnold's, i believe he's 23 i mean people are gonna say hey the adam gase effect look what Tannehill did now, now now would you as a fan this isn't i'm not asking for your analysis i'm asking as a fan because there's two totally different things there if they were to get that number one, like you just said, and have four picks in the top 34, yep. does that does that make you that much more interested in Mr. Watson? Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, you got to figure the Jets pick two. That's going to be a quarterback no matter what. If they – now that you're looking at – without this Donald trade, you have two first-rounders from Jamal Adams. You're looking at your normal draft pick plus Jamal Adams – for Deshaun Watson, and I would sign up for that any day of the week. Yeah, if, when you put it that way, it sounds a little bit better. Yeah, That's I don't think sure. they're going to get 80,000 first-round picks. I saw some article floated that they're going to be four first-rounders, three seconds, and Quinn and Williams. Eh, that's not happening. They have no leverage for that kind of deal. Yeah. Watson has a no-trade clause. He's going to pick basically where he wants to go, and he's going to tell the Texans, I'm going here or I'm holding out. Pick your poison. 
that that's what it's going to happen. And he's yeah, saying, the, the, we'll do it. the rumors down in Miami are are disgusting. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it's it's basically saying they're asking for Xavier uh, Howard, Xavier <laughs> Howard to a uh, pick three and then two more ones and a two. I'm like, come on! Now, if you told Get me the- that for the Jets, two twenty three and Quinnen for Watson, I'd do it. Two twenty three and Quinnen Williams. Oh I would yeah, do that. I'll do, I would that. do that. But I'm not doing three three first rounders, Quinn in here and Sam Darnold and this and that. That now that's getting overkill. But that that's with the qualifier that you're getting a one. Yep. For Darnold. And again, that's when it makes sense. And remember too, Miami's got pick three. The Jets have pick two. Pick two right. and pick three hold a lot of value versus you know Chicago's pick twenty, the Colts pick twenty one. That holds a lot of value. There was a report that came out. Um, I think it was Schefter that reported it that the Lions were offered pick eight from Carolina for um, Stafford. Now you get the Rams two round picks, which could eventually be late 20s versus a top 10 pick. I mean, the value-wise value chart, pick eight is obviously a hell of a lot higher. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And Teddy Bridgewater was apparently in the deal. Oh, they were going to ship Bridgewater to Detroit. Yep. Wow. So, I mean, me personally, I would have taken that deal. I don't like Maybe that's what it was. It's like, we don't want that guy. Exactly. <laughs> so this quarterback uh, market's nuts. And then when this... Well, I, I, don't know, I don't know Bridgewater's contract, but I, I know I, that I, Go- they, they could get out of Goffs after one season. So that yes. might be what it is. They, yeah. they may just look at it like this is a full teardown and, and we'll just draft a quarterback next year, if not this year. Could, I mean, a pick eight, if somebody falls to them that is sitting like... You got Lance sitting there at eight. You have Fields that could slip. You can take them now. Yeah, can you now could certainly you could certainly justify using a top ten pick on Trey Lance in mm-hmm. a scenario where he's not going to uh, have to play for the entire season. Mahomes and justify justify it because he he had opted out from this season. Yep. Do so so you get yeah, give him a learning year and then come back, pick up the pieces, and then Goff could kick rocks after that and you know, yeah. go wherever. Then they have two first-round picks to play with. Yep. That's not a bad market, idea. This quarterback market's insane right now, and it's going to be rumor central. I'm sure the teams are already talking, even though they're not supposed to, handshake agreements and whatnot. Right. Get free so can, can, considering how many teams are in the market and how much inventory there is with Wentz and Darnold and Watson, why is it that teams are calling Russell to sit – Check on Russell Wilson now. I saw that the New York Post reported that. Um, I don't know, and I would love it because the Jets have their first round pick next year. Make that a top ten pick. But teams are doing due diligence. There you go. People are trying to get out of contract. I don't think you're going to see quarterbacks getting crazy numbers, which puts us in a situation where what does Dak get next year or this offseason? I mean, I should say, what are the Cowboys there? What do these guys get paid? Are we setting new numbers? Do you think we're going to be dragged out with this Watson thing until? So the issue, allowed to sign the issue somewhere? that they have is how much time do you tell them we're not trading you until teams say, you know what? I just the, the Jets, hey, I just fell in love with Zach Wilson. We're taking him. So go pounce all. Like how how far do you get when the offers start getting less and less? Like if you have three first round picks on the table, which is pick two and twenty three, and next year, that you know fantasy baseball trades, you put a box, you know, sitting on an offer, and all of a sudden it gets less and less as time goes on. Teams get fed up, and they say, "You know what? Take it or leave it. We're done." Right, and and like I said, there's always that option of just money for Dak. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, I think it's, Dak it's ends up on a one-year. Deal. I think Dak ends up on a one-year deal, a franchise tag, and then they'll work rework something the following offseason. That makes sense. That's what I could see happening. Again, who the hell knows? Everything's crazy right now, but that's what I could see going on there at least. Yeah, watch Jerry Jones swoop in and try to trade for Watson. You're going to see that, that rumor probably in like two weeks, guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. Because that might be the only way that he could let Dak walk yep. and save face in Texas. Yep, you get Watson. Mm-hmm. Done. You're not going to lose out on that one. No one's going to complain or bat an eye. Yep. All right. I like that. I like that. All right. So everybody else, yesterday, day before, whenever it is that you're listening to this turned the page on football and said, oh, now it's baseball season. Well, for me, it's been baseball season for like a month and a half. Absolutely. Nick, you know what? It's so crazy. It, it's it's February 9th, and I'm sitting here. I already have baseball draft fatigue. <laughs> yeah. I have draft fatigue. I've had at least two slow drafts for going at all times mm-hmm. since – early December, maybe mid-December when I was in the hospital with COVID, I was drafting a, a, a 30 team dynasty league from the, from the hospital bed with an oxygen tube up my nose. <laughs> and I, I th- there hasn't been a day since then that I wasn't involved in at least one draft at a time. Mm-hmm. Mostly, mostly slow drafts. Cause this is slow draft season right now. Uh-huh. And okay. I'm already fatigued. I'm at the point I'm in a draft and hold that uh trader Andy and I split the team on and we're in like round 33 and I'm like, I, I'm taking a knee. You, you make the next three picks. I, I'm done with this. I need a break. It's crazy. But the good thing is we're going to take a little bit of break because all three of us got into the great fantasy baseball invitational, the TG FBI, which oh. we were looking forward to. Very excited. We weren't in it last year. Because you have, you know, you have you have to be producing content to be included in this. He doesn't let any fans in at all. Uh, you must be a content provider, and we were not on the air yet last year when the deadline came by. Mm-hmm. So we had to watch like a puppy dog out the window and stare at them. Oh, speaking of puppy dogs over there, yeah, my dog is uh, up my behind yeah. him since we moved. <laughs> Yeah, very, very opinionated dog. Yes. She's not happy I'm, go- I'm not going to bed at uh, 7 o'clock. It's like an hour ago. She was still bugging me. Oh, jeez. Jeez. All right, so we're locked and loaded, ready for T- TGFBI. TGFBI is a, f- I-, I believe it's 400, wh- whatever 29 yeah. times 15 I think is. it was. Yeah, it's 400. Math, and- so I don't know. Something like that. Right. 400-something people, but it's 29, 15-team leagues. Okay. The draft starts March 1st. We got our, our draws this past week. We don't know our draft position yet. Not yet. The, the draft position gets done, I believe, a week before draft start with KDS style, the Kentucky Derby draw. So we get to pick what draft position we want the most and rank them by how much weight you want to put on each one, which personally myself, I'm going to try to go to the back of the, back of the order. That's yes, just my thing. Yeah, you know, I, I like how that comes out, but we're going to go through a mock in a few minutes and I, I'll, I'll show you a couple of those spots and why I like to do it that way. Nick, why don't you go through? You're in League 7, correct? Yep. Tell, tell me a little bit about your league, who you're playing against, what you're excited yeah. about. No, it's, it's awesome to be in this league, compete against some big names. We got uh, Petri List, we got some Razball, looks like we got some Rotoballers in here. 
Definitely. It's again, it's like for me being in the Scott Fishbowl, it's the same thing. It's awesome to be able to compete against some big name people that you see their content consistently pushed out. You read their content and now you get to actually compete against them. But um, my league looks like pitcher list is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Nick, let me ask you a quick question and we'll go over Andy's league in a minute too. As an analyst, and I, you know, I've been grinding like crazy with my baseball writing and everything for a couple of weeks now. Are you a little nervous about putting content out that these people are going to be looking at what we're doing before we draft against them? Yeah, yeah, it definitely gets to that point. You have to start looking at it again like, oh, crap, here we go. (laughs) Yep. It's perspective. I'm in League 9, and I'm definitely going to renew my subscription to The Athletic because one of their top baseball writers, Eno Saris, is in my league. Ah, That's some of of the best competition out there. I'll be honest, too. I got a little upset. One of the guys in my league, and I'm not going to call him out and bring his name into it, was basically tweeting out the other day when we got the assignments. Oh, man, this isn't fair. The great Eno Saris is in our league. We're playing (laughs) all playing for second place. We don't have we don't have a chance. I'm sorry. I have a lot of respect for him in, in the business. I, I've read a lot of his work. You know, he, he's he's somebody I look up to, and I, and I hope I could use as an ally in the future. But I'm gonna whoop his ass. I I kiss no rings. I had the same thing with the fishbowl. I had some big names in my uh, my conference. Beat them. It was a great feeling. Came out of that definitely in the playoffs in that one. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So the the rest of my league, I I actually got a a pretty good draw because a couple people I interact with already and know. I got Mike Carter from rotofanatic.com. He's a good dude. Scott Chu, who is also with Pitcher List. He's funny. Scott is famous. I didn't know this. I just found this out a couple days ago. He's famous because he runs some fantasy curling leagues. That's phenomenal. I am in, bro. I don't no. know nothing. I, I like watching curling. I, I don't I can't name one player or anything like that, but I definitely I'm, want a piece of that. I mean, I'll, I'll auto draft. I'll give, give me something to look at. <laughs> I want a piece of fantasy curling. And and the, the the last guy I note on my my side is Andy Singleton, who uh writes for expandtheboxscore.com. Trader Andy is in league eight. He got a pretty good draw. A lot of guys I know here. Brent Herzog from the Exit Velocity podcast. He's actually the commissioner of Pod Wars, the head-to-head uh-huh. league that I was in last last year. And yes. I, fin- I finished second in that. So I'm glad that we, we're getting an opportunity to draft with him again. Trader Andy will get to know him. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll lead to us being invited back to Pod Wars once again I so that you. I could get back to the finals. Frank Amarante from Roto Baller. I, I, I talk to him on Twitter constantly. Good dude. Jeff Zimmerman, uh, Roto Graphs and Baseball HQ, HQ. Joel Anthony from Lenny Melnick Fantasy Sports. And the big one in his division is uh, DVR. Andy's drafting against Derek Van Riper of The Athletic. Uh, used to be uh, from Roto Wire, but the guy that we listen to on, on the radio all the time on Sirius XM. So. We got, to, we got some big names we're going to be drafting it against, and it's an opportunity for us to shine um, among the best. Definitely. You did a great job re- representing SS- SFBX, yep. and now we got to do it again, all three of us in TGFBI. Unfortunately, none of us are in the same division, so we could kind of you know, work together on the drafts and bounce ideas off of each other. Oh, definitely. March 1st. And, 
and, and make it happen. So, uh, so like, like I started to say, the TGFBI is a five by five league, which is great because you and I and Andy, we've been playing in that format forever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get cute with, uh, oh, I said he. I didn't even mention Justin Mason, the guy that puts this all together. What a what a stud he is, man! Phenomenal. Him and his wife do such an amazing job putting this together, organizing everything, and and interacting. They talk to everybody. If you reach out to them, they respond to you. Yep, it, it, it's great, and you don't get that in the baseball community all the time. There, there's a lot more, uh, you know, attitude on at the high end than football. Football is very the the fantasy community is very inclusive. Baseball. I, I don't know if it's because of baseball being around much longer and it's old school and not everybody plays it or anything, but it's a little bit less inclusive as a community and, and you you kinda kinda have to break into it. But Justin's awesome at that. So I you know, I a big thank you. I hope someday he listens to this and hears it from from my mouth. But the five by five and it's the exact same categories that are standardized that you and I have been used to for years. Mm-hmm. So that it, that's a that's a big uh, a big added bonus for us. I'm sure it is for everybody else in the league as well. It's nice and simple. You don't have to get crazy like like we had to figure out the quarterback scoring and SFBX. No, that was so, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So now the way that the TGFBI works is. Yes, we're drafting a 15-team league, but there is an overall component where all the 29 leagues get merged into one giant fantasy league, uh, rotisserie style. So me, you, and Trader Andy, we got to get our heads together mm-hmm. and figure out a strategy for this because you know, one of the reasons that we're doing this is to really try to ingrain ourselves into the community. And it's a kind of a situation if, if you're in a 15-team league and you finish second, there's no glory, nothing. You want that first? Yeah, we we made the uh, the Scott Fishbowl. We made the playoffs, and and you know we were moral victory at that point. Like, hey, first year in, look how far we got. If only Mahomes so, and uh, Kyler Murray didn't choke it out in those uh, that last game. <laughs> that's how it always goes in football. Of course, but this is ro- that's why I love the TGFBI because it's roti- it's a roto league. Yes, it's what we've been doing, yep. and there's not there's no excuses for this. This is. Rotisserie brings out the best in everybody. It, it, you're either a good manager or a bad manager, and that's what it comes down to. Well, that was the issue with, um, I had with the fishbowl. I was one of the top five, top ten teams in my uh, conference point uh, overall points total. And if you put that, that would be a, a divisional title berth. And I was actually a few points away from that. And one bad week kicked me right out. Right. So we we definitely have to talk through the the strategy of going for the overall versus trying to win your league in itself because there's a huge difference when you're playing for an overall you cannot punt a category no no because you're getting you're not getting one through 15 points in let's say saves Uh, that's the easiest one to punt you're not getting one through 15 points in the overall you're getting one through 400 points yeah. So if you punt a category and you're taking close to a zero, you're done. You're you're 300 plus points behind in that category, uh-huh. right? So so the plan, if you're playing for the overall, is all 10 categories. You need to be in the top 80th percentile in order to be competitive. Yep. And you know we got a month to figure it out, but that that's kind of where you got to go for that. Obviously, if you're just playing to win your league, which we may decide, that's the angle we want to do. 
then maybe you can do things like that and, and stay out of the save game, stay out of the early stolen base game or whatnot. Have you started to put any thought into that yet, or, or that's that's a story for another day? It's uh, working on it. I'm working on my mocks. Um, Got to build some strategy here, see some sleepers. The closer picture right now is so uncertain. It's even because last season I was a big fan of grabbing a, an elite closer early, and right now it just seems like every elite closer is getting knocked off here and there. I just read Taylor Rogers might not even be the full-time closer in Minnesota. Right, of course. So nobody knows what's going on at this point. But I'm, I'm doing my mocks. I've actually been doing mock drafts with uh, CBS, Scott White, and all them, which has been nice. Um, mock draft on me on Fantasy Alarm starts up next week, so I'll be able to get more exposure with that. Awesome. But um, definitely got to look for that. The late round sleep is the article you put out was great, highlighting some uh, late picks. Hey, being, being you mentioned uh, mock drafts, we're actually in the middle of that mock draft that's TGFBI style. Why don't we, why don't we walk through our first uh, yeah. five or ten picks and kind of see how we built our each of our teams? I'll go first. I'll kind of walk you through what my strategy was. We didn't get to choose our dra- draft spot here. I got 14 out of 15, which I'm very comfortable with. And this is not exactly what I would do if this were were my draft because I probably wouldn't do what I did at the turn if we were playing it out. But I at 114, I took Cody Bellinger, my one of my favorite players at the back end of the first round. Mm. He's getting disrespected because he had a pretty crappy showing during the regular season in 2020. But, you know, it's 57 games, whatever it is. So I'm not concerned at all. And the piece I love about him is the dual eligibility. And first base is one of the thinnest positions out there. And if I do jump for like a Reese Hoskins or something like that or an upside play like Andrew Vaughn later on, I could always move Cody to the outfield if that's how my team breaks down. So I love him at the back end of the first round. That's one of my favorite picks. And I'm probably going to set my KDS to 13, 14, 15 to try to target him Mm -hmm. and then maybe try to try to see if I could get Trevor Bauer in the second round. Um, But on this mock draft, I went with... Uh, Francisco Lindor second just to try something different and see what it would look like if I didn't take a pitcher out of the top two but I usually most of the time when I'm doing drafts I come away with a hitter and then a pitcher in the second round or vice versa that's oh, usually yeah. my my plan the smartness uh, format mm-hmm. after that in round three I jumped into the pitcher market I took Blake Snell and then backed them up with Tyler Glass now. So I came out of the first four rounds with two building block hitters that do everything, offer me at least some batting average, a lot of home runs, a lot of stolen bases when you combine them together. And then I didn't really get an ace, but Glass now and Snell are both pseudo aces. They're, they're low inning guys that'll give you great ratios, but all the counting stats are going to be a little bit lower. Yep. All right, so then after that... I waited all day long, took my first outfielder, Austin Meadows, and backed him up with Eugenio Suarez. So at that point, I'm now stacked in in home runs. Mm -hmm. All four four of my guys have 30 home run potential or even more. They all give me a little bit of stolen base, except for Suarez. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, What I probably would have done, but I think in this mock, Trader Andy uh, sniped me. In TGFBI, round five, round six, I'm probably looking for a closer right there. Yep. You know, you talked about how the, the market's pretty crappy. Uh, you got to be looking for Hader, 
Hendricks, Chapman, maybe Diaz, and Hand. Yep. And that's it. After that, you're in trouble. It's a crapshoot at that point. All right. Why don't you run through a couple of your picks and let's see what you look, what you're looking like. So I ended up picking uh, pick seven in this draft. At my position, a lot of the top hitters were gone. I had the choice between Cole and Degrom. I'm a Yankee fan, so for the purpose of the mock, I took Cole because I figured he's gonna get more wins. Degrom will pitch 800 strikeouts and get one win on the season. It seems like, but the Mets are better this year, so we'll see. My second pick, I actually stuck with the homerism. I took DJ Lemayhu. I love, I love DJ. I love the multi-positional uh, eligibility. He can play anywhere. I love that part. That's super valuable to me. In normal mock drafts, I always try and grab a steals guy early. Just the way pick seven fell, it uh, I wasn't able to. Uh, from here, I went. Well, I went Corey Seager after that, which is not bad. Um, I went Pete Alonso after that. Pick five, I took uh, Plesic out of Cleveland. Six, I went Javi Baez. Seven, I went Dylan Bundy. Eight, Rysel Iglesias. And then I went nine for Solaire. So I, I definitely hit up on the power aspect here. Um, just for the purpose of the mock, stolen bases weren't there. I mean, and towards the later rounds, I took uh, Dylan Moore, hoping I can get some stolen bases there. Javi Baez will get you some here and there. But um, I'm, I love Cole. If Cole falls to the mid to late first round, it, at least here, DeGrom went eight. I mean, I think that's good value. And then just stack up two, three hitters right there. And then Iglesias isn't a bonafide, I don't think, safe closer because he's he did get hit in Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati last year, but he's safe at this point with the market going on. His problem in Cincinnati is they tried to use him in a little bit more of a flex role. Yes. Uh, and anytime he went more than one, it, it came in in the eighth inning or the seventh inning, yep. it was a nightmare. It didn't work for him. Yep. He's, a, he's a ninth inning guy. He needs to know, he's one of these guys, give me a rhythm, do the same routine every single day, and he'll succeed. He'll he'll succeed at that point. Yep. I I think he's actually the key to your mock mm-hmm. at that point because that that kind of brought it all together. I love having the one two punch in your in your uh, rotation of Cole and Plesak. Plesak is one of my guys this year. Oh, you love. Him. I love that. I love that. That's a great one two spot. Adding Iglesias there. You are right. That you're a little bit behind on stolen bases yep. in this mock, but there's plenty of guys later, like you know the Victor Reyes is the, the Victor Robles, Victor okay. Reyes, the two Victors. Yeah, Victor. Plenty of stolen bases later on that yeah. you could get. You're just going to need to go a little bit heavy on it. In a real draft, I I would have taken one or two heavy stolen base guys at this point. I for the purpose of the mock, I just took the best available based on ADP and everything. Right, and, and I think getting Corey Seager in the third round. Kind that that kind of puts a cherry onto your Lemayhu pick at two. Combining them together just makes Lemayhu look that much better. Especially, I, I I don't know what his eligibility is on NFBC. Top of my head, mm-hmm. I think it's everywhere. It could be. I think it's everywhere because they used eight games. And you're going to get a three twenty three thirty hitter right there. Yeah, that you could slide into any position. That's that's pretty beautiful. I like that. All right, so. We're, we're, we're still mocking. This is this is still going. The TGFBI is 30 rounds, so we're, we actually get a bench. We're not used to that. No, not at all. What is you, that? Usually, usually in Roto style, we play without a bench. So I'm kind of cool with that. So when you set your KDS, what do you think you're going to do? Are you going to set it towards the, the, the back of the draft or the front? Because the, the front of the draft is pretty 
pretty easy, but I don't know what happens when you get back to round two and three if you're feeling so good. I, I like if you, what you're if you come away with Acuna, Betts, Tatis, Trout, or Soto, you feel good. Mm-hmm. But then on the back end, is it is it as nice? I'm more of a back end guy yeah. myself. Yeah, you're you're getting Cody Bellinger. What 14? You said he got him. Yeah, 14. Yeah, and in round two, you can grab a guy, hopefully like a Flaherty, see if Walker falls, Trevor Bauer. You can get a solid hitter combining with a solid ace or a solid pitcher. It's like picking the back half of a fantasy football draft. You're getting two good players. Yeah, I, I didn't do that much of that this year, and I regretted it. I didn't I didn't have the, the greatest football season because I was at the top of the draft almost mm-hmm. constantly, and that was a flop. I mean, football's a whole different bird, though. Well, baseball, too, in a league like this, a 15-team person league, you want consistent starters all around. Right. Well, that's the other thing, too, is you, you don't really win a fantasy league, especially baseball, in the first round, Mm-mm. but you do win it in rounds two through seven. You know that that's where that's where if you come out of round seven having addressed every need, yep. you're in good shape. You're in real good shape. If you come out with a with an elite closer, two starters, and then four stud hitters mm-hmm. through your first seven rounds, that you're basically just going off your draft board with your rankings and taking best player available the rest of the way and not worrying about positions or categories. Yeah, and then, it's a nice way to go. Especially with a draft like this, you get the bench, you can take your flyer on some prospects too and hope they hit mid-season and then take off from there. Yep. I, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, so we're looking forward to that. We got a couple other things going on this week. I have an article up on Keston Hera just to troll Trader Andy being he blew us off. Uh, that, that, that went up last night on our site, and you could see why I am not drafting him. Colton <laughs> Yeah, Col- that, that's, that's a big part of it, absolutely. And we're getting ready for TGFBI. Uh, Nick, you and I are working on that mock draft for the actual NFL draft. We're going to have that up sometime this week, right? Yep. We're looking to record this weekend again to complete our series on impact prospects for the 2021 season. We got to finish off with the outfielders, catchers, and pitchers. And then after that, we're going to start getting into our strategy sessions for different formats of leagues. Anything else that you got going on this week? Nope. Just unpacking boxes. Yeah. No mock drafts this week. No no, real drafts, drafts. Nothing. I'm doing mock drafts. You got a couple? I got one tomorrow with uh, CBS. I'm going to be uh, doing it on my phone on my way home from work. Okay. What's that? What format you got on this one? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's I think it's an AL only roto. Oh, nice. I think. I, I love doing only leagues, man. Only them. leagues are fun, bro. I did a dynasty startup that was 30 teams, 60 rounds. I mean, you really got to know everything about that. Mm-hmm. But doing an AL only league, NL only league, you have to know the, all these bullpens. You have to know the the fifth infielders, fifth outfielders, all yep. that. It's it's really a good way to connect with the game. So that's really cool. I'm glad you get to participate in that. Then you get the uh, trade deadline. You sure as hell hope your ace or your star doesn't go to an NL team or an AL team. Yep. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Trevor, I appreciate everything, man. You're working real hard for us. Thanks a lot. Uh, you guys, you could definitely hit us up on Twitter. I'm sure there's going to be some chatter about uh, Wentz trade sometime later on today or tomorrow. Uh, hit Mr. Nick up at, at nmimi, N-M-I-M-I. Yep. That's so confusing. Established 2007. <laughs> and I'm at Trello 20 Guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Trevor, take us out. Come on, in the rain and now it feels Come on, give me a break.